For those of you joining us online, uh, join us, joining us online, I've used a lot of words today. I'm going to try and keep it all straight. Uh, welcome. Uh, my name is Trent. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the one that um, has been given the honor to preach on Easter Sunday. Uh, I just want you to know, and all of the rest of you that are here, uh, that I have a particular and a peculiar job today, and that is to summarize the gospel of reconciliation, that is the gospel of God, and to give you and all of you an opportunity to respond to it personally. Now, that's not going to be between you and me. It's going to be between you and God. But I want you to know it's my job. And it's why Easter. In fact, the watershed point of all of history is these last three days, 2,000 years ago, between the death of Jesus, his burial, his descension into hell, and his resurrection from the dead, and then his ascension to the Father. But those three days are the watershed point of all of history. And that means the watershed, watershed is, uh, is on the continental divide. Um, if, if a drop of water were to hit right on the continental divide and split in two, uh, half of that drop's going to end up sooner or later, barring evaporation, some geologists always, or weather uh, meteorologists always brings that up, barring evaporation, it's going to end up either in the Atlantic or the Pacific. You can't end up on one side and go the other way. The gospel is a watershed point. You either are going to be yes, Jesus, or you're going to be no, Jesus. And there is no other, there is no other option. Just so you know, when I proposed to my wife, will you marry me? If she would have said, I really believe in marriage. My parents were married. My great-grandparents were, I mean, there's been marriage in our family for years. You know what? Let me check out a couple other guys to see. And is that, are any of those a yes? No. Anything but a yes is a no. And I just want to be straight up and frank with all of you that if, if you don't want to hear about that, then just harden your heart, cloud your ears now, because it's going to get good. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read the resurrection story, and then I'll spend the rest of the time giving the backstory to the resurrection story. Let's pray. Lord, your words today, not mine. And I'm, I'm asking for clarity um, to remember what has not been said here yet and not get it confused with the other three messages this morning. Lord, this is not my sermon for your people. This is your word for us. So, Lord, if there's something I plan to say or that sneaks out that you don't want said, convict me of it, but wipe it from their memory. And, Lord, if there's something else you want said that I have not planned to say, make it burn within me, and I know it will align with Scripture, and I will speak your word to your people this day. Lord, give them eyes to see what you want them to see, ears to hear what you want them to hear. And, Lord, please, soften their hearts so that the seed of faith can take root. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The resurrection story in the Gospel of Matthew. After the Sabbath, Sabbath is a Saturday. One of the reasons, the reason we worship God on Sunday and not on Saturday is because Sunday is the day of the resurrection. It's at least the day we, we, we recognize it. We, we, it happened, but what time of morning, we don't know. But it's, it's the Lord's Day. It's the resurrection day. That's why we meet and gather to praise God on Sunday. So after the Sabbath, which is Saturday, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to go down in history as the other Mary? <laughs> went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake 
For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Now, just a couple of clarifications. I'm sure that you know this, but just in case. The angel of the Lord with the earthquake and then rolling back the tomb, he didn't roll that back so Jesus could get out. You know that, right? He's already gone. He rolled it back so we could see in. Because, the, I mean, think about even Jesus and the stories that we hear about him and the miracles. He, he walked on water. Now, that, you, that doesn't obey the law of physics or thermodynamics or anything else. He, there was an earthquake. That's the word. It was more like a hurricane. But there was a storm on the Sea of Galilee, and he stood up and went, shh, and it shut up. He made, he, a man had a shriveled hand, and he said, grow, and it grew. Lepers, their stuff. The pieces of their body that had fallen off because of disease, he touched them and it came back. You don't think that the Spirit of God can pull him through a rock? But just so you know, if the resurrection didn't actually take place, everything we do here, you showing up this day, is complete lunacy. If Jesus, the historical Jesus, was who he claimed to be and he died and he stayed dead, this is all ridiculousness. It is. If he did not resurrect, if he did not beat death, the enemy of humanity, we're all doomed. And there is no hope. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, the women, do not be afraid. I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. I'm sorry, I got to do this. Anyone, don't don't, don't raise your hand because other people might look at you and go, are you sure? But if you woke up in the middle of the night because there was a light in the room and you opened your eyes and there was a nine foot glowing halo 12 foot wingspan angel in your room you think the first thing would be like hey dude how you doing (laughs) you're gonna cower you're gonna go back to being that four or five year old kid hiding under the blanket maybe it'll go away every time an angel shows up people freak so this angel shows up there was an earthquake a tomb a stone rolled away these women show up and the angels i'd be scared don't be afraid for another, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Just as he said, now come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly to, and tell the disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of them into, ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love that verbiage. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Yeah. And ran, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings. I think that's strange. I would be freaking out. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they'll see me. And while the women were on their way, some some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are, to say to, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while you were asleep. Now, just so you know, a Roman centurion, the penalty for falling asleep at your post, there's no trial. They throw oil on you and light you with a torch while you're sleeping. There is no excuse. It's called a Roman candle. 
If you watch the new movie about the Apostle Paul, that's what they did to Christians when they were persecuting Christians. They hung them on a wall in the city and they threw oil on them and then they lit them on fire as Roman candles to light the streets of Rome. So this whole idea that they're going to go and say, well, they did because they bought some people off. And it says here, uh, his disciples came during the night and stole them away while you were sleeping. If, if the report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to a mountain, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Nate, could you come and pull this? Pull it away for me. Thank you. I know this is really terrible production value, but if you're going to get this visual, um, thank you. Now let's put the lilies back. Come on. We got people, people decorated here. Why did Jesus say that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him? Now, some of you have been here on Easter before and you've seen these chairs. Don't write it off. When I find a better one, I'll use it. But I've added something to it. And I think it'll help. Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me because he's the second person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Not three gods, not three gods, not three gods, not three gods, one. But they have relationship with one another. And God, being a relational God, wanted us, his creation, to have relationship with him. Now, we'll answer the question about all authority in heaven and on earth in a minute. But this is God's intent when he made humanity. Every day, God did something. He said, let there be light, because there was nothingness. Let there be light, and there was light. And it was good. And then there was a day when he brought order out of chaos. The day when he said, separate the land and the sea. There's a day that, that he created animals and birds of the air and and every day he got done, he said, it was good. And then on the sixth day, he molded something out of clay and then went, breathe. And he made Adam, Adam, earthling, man of the dirt is what it means. And, and Adam, he said, all this is yours. What you call the animals, they will be called. What you call the trees and the plants, they will be called. He doesn't have to toil the earth. He just gets to enjoy it. And God said, though, it's not good that you're alone. So he, took, he laid him down. He took something from him, and he made, whoa, man. <laughs> they were naked and unashamed. And Adam said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She was one that completed him. So the God of the universe, being a social God, wanted us to have relationship with one another and with him. And so every day, in the cool of the day, morning and evening, God would walk with Adam and Eve. He would talk to them. He knew them. And he loved them. And they walked with God and talked with God and knew God and loved God. And I don't know how long it took. 
I don't know how long before they were tempted, before they were no longer satisfied in paradise. I have no idea. But one day, one day, they, now they could walk every day. How good would it be to be able to go to God at any time and say, hey, look, man, it's been kind of tough today. I know. He puts his arm around you and he puts you up in his lap and he just embraces you. They could do that every day. And then something showed up and said, left one part out. God gave them everything. And he said, just, hey, this one, this one thing, this one tree, don't eat. Don't eat from it. It's mine. Don't. If you do, it's going to get ugly. You're going to die. Just, so just, I don't want you to die. So don't eat, don't eat from this tree. And then all those time, all that time, and then this serpent comes up and he says to them, why, why aren't you eating from this tree? He knows what to go for. Well, God said not to. Why? Because we'll die. Now, keep in mind, there was no death. There were no thistles. There were no weeds. There were no storms. There was no disease. There was no hatred. There were no predators. It was paradise. God doesn't, he, he said, we'll die. They don't know what death is, but they know it's not good. You're not going to die. God just doesn't want to be like him. And so they ate. Now, that changes everything in creation. That is the moment where humanity turned their back on God. And they no longer have a walking, talking, knowing, and loving relationship. But something else happens. Try not to trip. We are now ashamed. God even said that day when he found it out, he goes, where are you? Why are you hiding? And Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. But basically the decision they made was not what you want, God, but what I want. And as soon as they became self-centered, self-worshippers, self-righteous, they turned their back on God. And this chasm, this literal chasm between God and humanity came into being. Here's the worst part about it. Humanity can never go back. God, who's omnipresent, he can, he can be everywhere. But Adam, Eve, you, me, according to scripture, we can't be there. It's called sin. And if you hate the idea that one man, oh, one man blows it for everybody, because scripture says because of one, one man sin, all sin, says that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. If you don't like that idea, then just ask yourself this question. Have you ever once, once had a selfish thought? Ever one time been angry at another person that wasn't completely and wholly justified? You ever been lustful in your thinking or in your ways? Have you ever sought something for self before something for someone else? Have you ever disciplined your child and you say it's because they're misbehaving, but really it's because you want to listen to the TV better? If you've ever done anything that is not 100% godly, 
then you've crossed over. In this world, when they stepped out of peace and order, they stepped into chaos and destruction. And it tells us in the scripture that the, that the, that the, that the world got so bad so quick that God wiped it out. He brought a flood and he saved humanity with one man and his family. And he saved the animals because they didn't do anything. And he told them just the same thing he told them in the garden. I'm your God. Be fruitful. Multiply. And as time goes on, the people continue to be destructive. And God sees it over and over and over and over again. Because he's a loving God, he doesn't want them destroyed by the world that they've kind of created. And so he decides, he comes to one man, Abram, and he he says, Abram, I'm going to save all of humanity. I'm going to save them through you and your descendants. And I want you to know that, that this covenant I'm making with you, I want you to know that if I'm not faithful to you, if I'm not your God and I don't save you, if I don't send you someone to rescue you, if I don't forgive you, you can kill me. And I want you to know, Abram, that if any of your descendants stop worshiping me, stop doing anything right, if, they, if, they, if any of your descendants, if they decide to, to sin again, you can kill me. So God sentenced his son to death when he made a covenant with Abraham. And his son willingly said, yes, father, send me. And then another man, Moses, God's trying to make, make a people out of these people. and He's trying to protect them from the destruction that they seem to bring on themselves. So he, he set up, because of a loving... My son, Cam, used to walk off the driveway into the street. And when he did that, I'd, Cam! And then he started crying. He was little then. Why did I yell at him? Because I don't want him to die. And so God, not wanting the world to destroy the people until, he's, until the time is right to rescue it, he decided to set some boundaries up. Not a big deal. Just a few rules. Way fewer rules than you find in Yahtzee. Just 10. Don't worship other gods. Don't make up your own gods. Don't do evil in my name. Hey, you're not that big a deal, so take a break from creation every now and then. Assuming that fathers love their children and mothers love their children, assuming that they're good to their children. Honor your father and your mother. Don't murder other people. Is it pretty good? Don't let your lust take you away. Keep your marriage vows. Don't lie. Don't steal. And don't say untrue things about other people. We never see that on the internet. Why? Why? Christianity gets all kinds of grief. It's just a bunch of rules. There's 10. Really, there's two. There's 10. And you know why he set them up? To keep us from pleasure so that we can't be all that we can be? No. It's because when you step outside of those things, the world destroys you and you destroy others. This is love God, love others. That's the rule. There is not one game published by Parker Brothers that has less rules than two. Not one. Not even go fish. God set up, he says that I'm your strong tower, I'm your safe refuge. He just, look, there's going to be trouble in this world, but I will not let it destroy you. But remember who I am, and remember whose you are. And he goes on, and people do what people do. They walk away, they walk away, they do all kinds of wrong things. 
But God said, if you're not faithful, you can kill me. And then Christmas. God decides the time is right. And says that the word of God became flesh and moved in next door. Tabernacled among us. Pitched his tent next door. And so Jesus walks with us, talks with us, knows us, loves us. And some of us walked with him and talked with him and knew him and loved him. But others, those that had turned this safe refuge, this strong tower, this, this holding back the chaos and the destruction and the wickedness of the world, those, those rules that kind of say, look, just remember who you are, those that had taken that and made it about themselves, made it about their own power, made it about my will, not God's, those, those people that Jesus came, he came and he said, no more of this. We don't need this stuff anymore. This isn't what's important. It's not about the rules. It's about what they represent. It's about the fact that I want to show you how much I love you. These people who kept all this in place decided that he needed to go. So they handed him over and they killed him. Yay, happy Easter message. Remember the promise that God had made to Abram? That when your people aren't faithful, you can kill me. And we did. While he was up on the cross, he yelled out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's about five minutes to three o'clock in the afternoon. Right before the Passover lamb was slaughtered. That was the point. Remember when man forsook God? This is the point when God broke that union, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then his son cries out, it's finished. All of this division, because of the resurrection, and when that earthquake goes off, something cosmic happened. Jesus took your sins to hell and left them, where they, left them there where they belong. Death, the, the, the enemy of humanity, the consequence of our sin, it's all destroyed. And Jesus raises again. And now we have a choice. There is no more separation, literal, figurative, or spiritual, between us and God. Because God, because of one man, all have sinned. Because of one man, all can be made alive. Let me give you a picture for a second. Many of us, this isn't an accusation, it's just a statement. Many of us, this is kind of how we live. In charge of my own life, I got this. Yep, I know God loves me. We all learned in Sunday school, those of us that went. Why did Jesus come to save me from my sins? We got it. But I had a friend, Jack Stolt who's in his 80s now, I believe, when he was in his, about Patrick Blumendahl's age, he, uh, he had a visiting missionary pastor come to his church and he pounded on the pulpit. That's how he started his message. Believe and be damned. Now, there's probably better ways to start a message. But what he's saying is, knowing what God has done, you're still doomed. Just knowing it means nothing. The devil knows it. 
You think he's going to spend eternity with God in paradise? You now have heard a summary of the gospel. And you know what Jesus has done. And so, just like I can look at this chair and I go, yeah, I know, I don't know who made it. It's probably Hayworth or Herman Miller. Um, It looks stable enough to support my weight. Yeah. Yep, it 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 could save me. It could hold me. Is it? That's belief. Faith, this is really difficult. It's saying, not my will, but yours be done. And it's being willing to lose your life. My house, my money, my vehicles, my family, any notoriety I may have, any talents or gifts I may have, it all is no longer mine. I abandon it all. I give it to the Lord. He who would hold on to his life will lose it. If I stay here, I'm not willing to give that up. I'm doomed. But if I'm willing to lose my life, I'll gain it. Here's the beauty. That's hard to do. But you got to be willing. And you got to do it. Here's the beauty. Once you give it up, he takes it. He repackages it. Your talents, your money, your stuff, your relationships. He begins to redeem it. And he puts it back on you. And then he covers over and says, just remember whose you are and who all those other things belong to. This is what's known as imputed righteousness. It means that no longer when you die and you face God, do you have to say, look what I've done. Does anyone in this room, anyone online at judgment want to face God and say, I've been awesome. Let me in. You have to. If you've messed up once, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory, and the paycheck for sin is death, destruction. What Jesus says is that you give up your life, you'll gain it, and I will give you my life. I will cover you so that when you do come to that day and you meet the Lord face to face, you don't say, look what I've done. You say, Look what you've done for me, in me, through me. So, belief or faith. Whose chair are you sitting in? See, you can cross back over to be with God, but only through Jesus. Only through Jesus. Not through that box of religion. Not through making up your own gods. Not through how good you are or how talented you are or how famous you are. You are naked before the Lord and you're imperfect. Do you want to rely on your own? Or do you want to rely on him? Now, I'm going to say a prayer. And you are welcome to pray it with me. And if you mean it, Scripture says, 
if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, and that's, that's not a just believe, that's a deep down everything I got. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, period. Your eternal address changes. But if you're thinking about this, I know that when I was 15 years old and I was brought to this spot, I had these thoughts. God, you know, this guy Jay, he was the young life speaker that he was just passionate Lord, he's really convincing, but I don't, I don't want to be duped. I, you know, I, I don't know. And I don't know much. This is kind of all new to me. I mean, I know a little bit from church, but I, 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 don't, I don't know. I just want to tell you, if you have any thoughts even similar to that in any way, it's not the voice of God. I promise. It's either the enemy of God, who's the one that tried to pull us away from him from the begin with. He's either trying to create doubt in you or get you to wait so that you forget or it's your own sinful nature that's wanting to say, not your will, but mine be done. I promise you it's not God's voice because God never says, wait to come to me. With God, today is the day, every day. You sh- cannot show me a time in scripture when he's calling someone to himself and he says, no, 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 don't come. Don't come. So if God is drawing you, if you have the thought, today's the day. That's the voice of God. Not mine. His. One other thing. I promised that I'd bring you to that watershed point. I just want you to know. You you have have free will, and God loves you so much, he does not impose his will on you. If this is how you came into this room today, and this is how you leave this room, okay. But according to the scriptures, you're on your own. If you move here, he's on you, in you, under you, through you, around you. That's the decision. And it doesn't matter if you've made this decision or switched chairs first time, fifth time, 500 times, it doesn't matter. If you came in this room in control of your own life, my will, not yours, and God's calling you to say, your will, not mine, today's the day. Now, I'm going to pray. The beginning of that prayer will be just between me and God. You can overhear it, but I'll be praying for you. Then I will pray a prayer. I'll pause, and then I'll pray a prayer that is just confessing my own sin, receiving Christ as my Savior and Lord, And if you pray that prayer and you mean it, in the middle of that prayer, I will actually switch seats. If you pray that prayer and mean it, your eternal address is assured to be in paradise again and not where it could be otherwise. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking, I'm hoping that I was not a distraction to your message today, that your people got a summary and a clear presentation of your gospel. Lord, if there is anything I said that got in the way from people hearing you, I pray that you wipe it from their memory now. Convict me of it, but wipe it from their memory so that it doesn't keep them from coming to you. And Lord, I know you're always present and I don't have to pray this, but I want to say it out loud. 
anyone here who prays along with you, plays along with me and come, brings, brings themselves to your feet, hear their prayer, Lord. Honor their prayer. Receive them into eternity and embrace them as they embrace you as Lord of their life. Lord, I've made a mess of my life. I've sinned. That leads me to being separated from you. Forgive me. And I wholeheartedly accept the gracious work of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension back to you. You told us that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. I submit myself to that authority. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask that you dwell within me with your Holy Spirit. And that you give me the ability to day to day recognize that I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to you, my faithful Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name, my Savior and Lord. Amen. Now the band's going to play. I just want to encourage you to do one thing. After the service, if you prayed that prayer, or any time during this song, if you come forward, someone will meet you up here to pray with you. But if you prayed that prayer, tell someone before you leave this room. The scripture says, let the redeemed, those who have been bought back, the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, there's a reason for that. If I speak it, it's meaningful. So if you prayed that prayer and you don't want to tell anyone, it's like a seed that has no roots and the wind comes, it'll blow it away. That's not on God, that's on you. If you prayed it and you tell someone, it gives it meaning. Roots start to take. So if you've been bought back, tell someone today. And if you want prayer during this song, after this song, there will be, if we see you coming down here, there are people that will gather down here and pray with you. It can be over to the side. You show up down here, someone will meet you to pray with you. Tell okay? somebody. Tell somebody. If you decide not to, it's called, it's a thing in the scriptures called fear of man. You're more concerned with what someone might think of who you used to be or what you've done or that you've claimed to be one way and now you're kind of saying they're not your audience. There's not a person in this room that if you tell them that you just gave your life to Christ or you just switched chairs for the 15th time, there's not one person in this room that's going to shun you for that. In fact, there's a celebration in heaven right now. So folks, I mean it. Tell someone. And if you want someone to pray with you, they are here to pray for you. Just come down by the stage, come over on the side, someone will meet you. Don't be afraid. Remember when the angel shows up? Don't be afraid. When Jesus shows up, don't be afraid. 365 times in the scripture, we're told in relationship to God or his messenger, don't be afraid. Folks, don't be afraid. He rescued you. Say so. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine on you. Be gracious to you. That means to give you grace. The Lord turn his countenance toward you, smile at you, and give you peace. And all of God's people say, Amen. Go with and in the peace of Christ.